Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. I'm your co-host Steve Stefano Mancini. And my name is Claudio Relsano and as always we appreciate you tuning in. Steve, what's going on? Not much, my friend. Not much. Something happened this last weekend. I don't know. I didn't watch. We, I, I told you I didn't want to talk about it. So I'm just going to. I didn't. You I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I, I was debating because all day I was like, ah, should I say something? I'm like, you know what? I watched two minutes of it because every time I would flip it on, it was a freaking commercial. So I said, this is exactly why I don't watch this crap. Well, I. What I didn't like about it, and it ruined the rest of the game for me, was what Travis Kelsey did uh, to Andy Reid, where he kind of pushed him a little bit. And there was no, you know, me being a coach, there's no way in hell that that would happen uh, to me, uh, number one. Number two, I, I would not have, I just wouldn't have allowed it. And, and he just didn't do anything. I'd have benched his ass. I'll be very blunt with you. And, and that, that's not all, but that's another story. Um, neither here nor there. But that's, you know, I have brown eyes. Whether it's right or wrong, that's the way it is. Right. I could not have taken it, whether that's right or wrong. Some people were giving Andy Reid credit, but I have a vowel at the end of my name, and there's no way in hell I would be able to take that. And nor, looking back at the coaches that we grew up watching, Noel, Knox, Landry, Shula, Parcells, They'd have been on the bench. Jimmy Johnson, uh, uh, Ray Rhodes, uh, I can go on and on, Flores, Denny Green, uh, Groot, I can go on and on and on. Those guys, and there's more than I met, Mike Ditka, for God's sake. There's no, Lombardi. He, he would have, Ditka would have shoved you yeah, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't do stuff like that. Okay, no. right now he's riding high. He's got the girl. He's got the Super Bowl. He's got the commercials. But as Ray Mancini once said, it's a quick trip from the penthouse to the outhouse. Not that I wish anything upon him. I don't right. give a damn about him or the Chiefs oh, or anybody else. I'm just sick of these but stupid commercials. I, that, that was so disrespectful. A lot of people look up to that guy. Right. And for him to behave that way, so he was passionate. Well, hell, I'm passionate too. You know, so, I'm not so crimes this of, microphone. You know what, though? Out. So crimes of passion should be excused. There hey, they were go. passionate. There you go. They were passionate. Yeah, yeah, but that ruined like, the whole uh, game for me. Well, but anyway, I digress. Otherwise, Claudio, I'm fine. How Other are you? That, I'm good. <laughs> hey, no skin off my nose. He, no. he didn't do nothing to me, but I'm just saying I, I didn't like that. But anyway, today's guest, we, we go back a thousand years, and I know his family. I know his Uncle Albert, his dad, uh, Banjo, great guy. I know his Uncle Ross. I, his cousin, Tom, is one of my best friends. We have a thousand memories together. His uncle, Albert, built, obviously everybody knows I live in the same house I grew up in, I built the my old bedroom, which is now my, my home office. He built that, as well as some other things in my house. The shingles are still up there that he put in. The bathroom <laughs> in the back, his uncle put in and and his dad was was a character he was a lot of fun his dad banjo but uh today again our guest is pat mendocino a very entrepreneurial guy uh again we've known each other for years and uh pat i appreciate you being on the show i'm glad to be here thanks for inviting me okay brother well you know what let's first start off you know again your family is very entrepreneurial they had a taxi cab years ago your uncle albert with his uh basically what a construction business let's call it yes um you know your your uncle ross uh did some work for Mario Lemieux, and, and he owned, he had a landscape business uh, pretty much, you know, entrepreneurial. Is that how you got the bug? You saw your family in that, or Yes, what? it seems like my whole family, uh, all of my uncles, we had a little side gig going on always, and even my cousins in Italy do the same thing. They have olive oil, uh, they have grapes, uh, they have many things going on over there, so I don't know. I I guess it's in the Mendocino blood to I guess it always is. be uh, striving to do a little bit more. Now, I know where they're from, but tell everybody where your family's from in Italy. Uh, 
My family is from Falerna. There you go. And that <laughs> is in Calabria. That's about 75% of the people from Swickley yeah. that have roots are from that little town. Two other little towns next to it. Jit City and uh, New uh, Chad, where my New mom's Chad. from. Then Jit yep. is where the rest of them. Uh, is this yep. on the western side of Calabria, like towards the town of Casenza? I'm trying to think where this is at. Well, Casenza is a region and it's a town. Right, So right. North Casenza. Region uh, or town? Um, region. Got it. Um, that is where the town of Mendocino is from, where my family is, is originally from. So it is near near the coast. Yes. Beautiful so it's area. on the uh, west side. Yeah. You know what, Pat? The other day, I just wanted to look on YouTube. Where my, I mean, I've seen it. I was there, obviously, as you were, but where my parents are from. And boy, how, how beautiful that is. The white sand, the blue water. It is absolutely amazing. Yes. And uh, a lot of Italians within the country, that's where they like to vacation. If you go north or south, that's where the foreigners tend to go, the French and Germans. But uh, Calabria is a little hidden gem. And it's it's developed in certain places, but most places... Uh, it is very laid back. It's almost what we might call like a hippie commune kind of. <laughs> you know, I, I said one time, man, if you have money and you're done working, that's the place to retire. Yep. That's the place to retire. It's funny because it's surprising. People don't know. It's, it's beautiful. It's hot. I was there last summer, and I was there for the, uh, the heat wave piece. And we went out in the middle of the day, and – there's nobody out at the beach. They were all indoors because it was, I mean, that wind was blowing. It was oh, like, yeah. it was like, it felt like somebody had a hairdryer on me. And I just remember like, my God, what the heck am I? We're like, we're, we're like just me and my brother were out there on the beach. We're, I'm thinking, why am I on the beach? But uh, it's funny because then you go about 15 minutes away and you're in the mountains and it snows and they ski. I mean, it is a beautiful area and it does not take you far to transition the weather patterns. He goes there. Often, yeah. not that way. I was there two summers ago. Uh, the average temperature in Falerna was about 112. And then we went down south. Uh, we were going to go over to Sicily, but uh, the ferries were all backed up. I think it was 119 there. So it has been getting really hot mm -hmm. in that, that area. But it's still green. That's the other thing. I was expecting to see like Sicily where it was going to be all like desert and dry because it's so hot. It's beautiful. The green. mountains have yeah. uh, the mountain rivers and streams. Uh, uh, water and irrigate everything so it's very lush it's almost like palm springs or something yeah. like that another thing real quick my dad and his his uncle ross obviously they're both from Florida, but they went to school together too that's how far back we go let me ask you guys something both of you steve and, and pat i always say for the beauty you go to the south for the historical that's where the north is am i wrong in saying that pat uh yes but ironically um there was so much history in Calabria because of the Greeks yep. and the Moors, the Moorish okay. influence, and the Romans. In in Falerna, there are Roman ruins. They're not really developed that much, but the word Falern refers to the red grape that the Romans liked. So they called the town Falerna. <laughs> and um, so there is history. It's just not the grand the paintings, uh, the marble, well, the all the road, all roads lead to Rome, right? I mean, that was <laughs> yeah. that was the capital. All roads lead to Rome, but but you're right. There 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 is a tremendous amount of history. And in fact, there are still areas in there again where they speak Greek and they speak. I think it's, I think it's Albanian. Yeah. So there's these little pockets, you know, called of historicity. But as far as 
you know, being developed and, and for lack of a better term, being kind of the commercial center. Yeah, that went up north, yeah. but I mean, that's where the Etruscans were, and that's essentially who the Romans overtook. You know, now you start from that area and you just work your way out. So again, everything's centralized there. But um, it is funny you say that because there are still there are still some nice ruins. In fact, I, I think it's Sibari. When you're, well, I'm on the eastern side. So I'm in the province of Cosenza, but I'm not in the city of Cosenza where, where my family is. And I think it's Sibari when you go up when you go up the kind of the main road along the along the, the, the beach there. And uh, yeah, there's some there's some ruins right there. But you'll you'll never see a Rome like city. And I think, but I don't even think that's what what keeps people out of there because there is good history. But again, to your point, it's not as it's not grand cities, but it's the fact that it was just never the roads were never put in place like they were up north. No, that's like for you, sure. you could walk probably everywhere up in Rome on the, in the Appian Way. But you can get down south, mm-hmm. but that development—I I don't know whatever it is—it just it never it never seemed to go that far south. Weren't you thinking about moving there or retiring there? Yes, yes, I was, and um, I still am. But are I'm, you still going to? Well, I'm getting older now. I just turned sixty, and. I'm starting to think about the uh, health facilities, but I would like to go there, uh, you know, maybe three three months out of the year, and I would like to get dual dual citizenship. Okay, well, Steve did that. Oh, that was a joyous process, <laughs> sarcasm intended. Is, was your dad uh, born in Italy? Uh, no, he wasn't. All, almost born there. A um, couple of my other other uncles were born there. My dad was kind of half. I thought up. he was born there. Okay, no, okay. but your but your grandfather obviously was. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, be, that's why you could probably probably claim it then, because it was to me. I had to go to my great grandfather because I was in a similar boat. Some of my grandfather's siblings were born in Italy. Some were born here. He was born here, but his father never became a U.S. citizen. So he had some kids in Italy. They come over. He has a couple more kids, but they're all Italian citizens. So that's how I did my um, my citizenship. But uh, it's funny that uh, it's funny you talk about healthcare, because that was. It's like part of me is like, well, I need good health care. But then you know what? You go, I, I work. I go sometimes. I go to the VA, and I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, that's no, not good health care. <laughs> Even the VA will say, yeah, don't come here for anything serious. Really? I mean, oh, I've talked to doctors <laughs> off the record, and I'm telling. You, and if anybody wants to dispute that with me, bring it on. I've talked to doctors I'm off the record, and they've like you all did on said. Ralph's show. <laughs> I'm just going to pull back on that. What's the government? What are they going to do? Audit me? Oh, wait a minute. That's exactly what they'll do. Um, but no, uh, you know, I would never do anything serious at the VA. I, but I would get, I get minor things treated there. But if I had something serious, I'm going to a private doctor. And, and you know, Italy, from what I could tell, because you know, we're in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh UPMC is one of the big dogs around here. There are some facilities in in, in Italy, UPMC facilities. In fact, they have they have programs oh. where Italian doctors come to the states and and vice versa. Because I know there's like a UPMC. I want to say it's in Rome, and then there's one. I, I I think it's in Florence. I'm not advertising for UPMC. I get nothing out of it. But but my point being though is, um, if you're in the big cities, you've pretty much got what I'll call American healthcare. But where we're at, right? But where we're at, you, you're going to a clinic, or you're being, if it's serious. At Tiempo, they say if you have a little bit of a cough and you're seven, you're at Tiempo. It's time, eh? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're not going to put too much into you. But okay, now uh, we talked about your entrepreneurial uh, genes in you. Talk about some of your before we get to your sauce. Uh, talk about your past uh, successes and maybe some that maybe weren't so successful, because we've all had those. Well, uh, I've basically been in the food industry for 40 years, 45 years. Uh, I basically worked my way up from a dishwasher to owner, and uh, I did everything in between. 
the last 15 years of my employment, uh, I was with Rivers Casino. Uh, I was a chef there, um, amongst other things there, a, a blackjack dealer. Uh, I kind of spread it out a little bit. but uh, I thought you looked familiar. No, <laughs> You're the guy. A lot of You're the guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've had a, a very, very diverse uh, career. Uh, I worked as a private investigator, specialized. That's where Steve met. That's Whoa. <laughs> specializing that, in that food and beverage oh. places. So I worked undercover, and I, you know, I, I did a lot of things. So I've always hovered around food, uh, no matter what I did. I had a pizza shop, briefly. I had a hot dog shop. I had an Italian deli on the north side of Pittsburgh. So I've, I've pretty much ran the gambit uh, of what. Uh, you know what I wanted to do. I gotta ask. Okay, as a private investigator in the food business, what was the most interesting thing you've ever? I don't ever know if I want to hear this. No, I'm curious. <laughs> and please well, don't say the hamburgers at Rivers because I actually think they're not bad. <laughs> well, there's a movie called Waiting. Number one, that is all true. What happens in that movie? If you've never seen it, uh, it's pretty disgusting, and that happens. But my aspect, uh, I would work undercover sometimes. I would do. Uh, survey checks of particular people that were working there. So uh, I was basically kind of like a snoop, you know, checking out bartenders that that were th- stealing and things like that. Um, but I've always been involved with food in one one way or another. All right. I'm curious. Say, I, I I was curious for. For a good story, but uh, I understand. I, maybe, maybe I don't want to hear it. When they say what you don't know. That's probably the best thing for thing. you. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I was a busboy for a hot minute before I went off to the Navy. And it really is hit or miss because I think there are some clean restaurants and then there are others. Um, the problem is as a, as a patron, you don't know. You're just assuming that you're Check not gonna... out the bathrooms. That, that's the old adage, but it is true. Check out the bathrooms. Uh, if it's clean and nice, well-kept, then that, that's a good example. If you walk into a restaurant that has a dirty bathroom, uh, that's how their kitchen is, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. See, you learned something huh, new. I never thought of that. There you go. Now, yes, you've been in the food business, but you also uh, had your hands in the music documentary for the Life of Tell uh, yes. us about that. Yes. Uh, I was uh, one of the executive producers of Behind the Stage Door. That was a book written by Rich Engler, who lives in Swickley, long, long time music biz guy, um, over 55 years now. Um, he wrote the book, and me and my cousin Bob Pallone, we approached him and we started talking about doing a documentary. Uh, people did approach him in the past, but for some reason, we had something to offer that was a little bit different. I, I, I think Rich saw my compassion along with the other staff and uh, the history that we went back. I've known Rich a long time in Swickley, and um, so he decided to go with us. So uh, we have been, to date, we've been in nine film festivals, and we have won three film festivals. Oh, good, I didn't know that. um, So uh, (laughs) it's a nice little documentary. What Uh, year was it released? It was released last year. Okay. Uh, We have over 30, interviews in roughly an hour and a half documentary. Most documentaries of this type have about five or six interviewees. Uh, we have Peter Asher, who's a um, manager for the Beatles. Uh, Doc McGee, the biggest manager in the world. Uh, Kiss, Scorpions, 
Uh, we had many, many groups represented, Chicago, Sticks, Kansas, uh, Yes, uh, Dougie Gray, he, uh, he did a great, great interview uh, from the Marshall Tucker Band. So we are very, very proud of this. Uh, um, it is streaming still, and um, it's on the major streams. Uh, let me see. It's on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, and there are DVDs uh, available, Amazon and Walmart. But uh, it, it, it was really nice. We had a nice showing at the local Swickley Theater, uh, the Lindsay Theater. Back then it was called the Tall Theater. And we had an IMAX showing at the Carnegie Science Center on the north side. Seeing it with that uh, great music and the great visuals, it, that, that was a, a really nice way to, to view the documentary. How did it feel to you? I know whenever I am with a, even interviewing a former athlete, sometimes I stand back and say, what am I doing interviewing this guy? You know, because I watched him growing up. You talked about some of the bands that, uh, you mentioned those great named bands. How did that make you feel that you were connected to them? You know, little Pat Mendocino dealing with them. Um, I don't mean little now, but I'm talking about, you know, as a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with rock and roll through right. Rich. Uh, I used to get tickets through him uh, many, many years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've known him now probably 40, good 45 years. Uh, but actually meeting the people that you hear on these records growing up uh, is absolutely fascinating. Uh, the one thing I liked about the documentary is that we had national uh, stars, but we also had a lot of local stars. So we had Donnie Irish, we had uh, Joe Grishecki, we had the Jaggers, we had the Granadis. So we just didn't specialize in the big names. Um, we also had the local Pittsburgh acts, which really, to us, brought it together that Rich was a, a local person but he, his, his scope uh, was very wide, but sure. he still remained true to the local Pittsburgh scene. And he did things for Pittsburgh that most people don't know. He actually started people going back to downtown. You know, the, uh, when he bought the Stanley Theater, people were not going to downtown during the week. After work, they would just go home. So he almost, you know, in my opinion, almost started uh, a mini uh, renaissance to getting people interested in staying downtown. Um, he may have to do that again. Well, <laughs> we need some changes before then, but yes. No, I, I, I'm curious because, uh, you know, I try and dabble in a lot of things, and Claudio and I are very similar personalities. That's why we clash so much, <laughs> but we're very similar. We're always trying to, you know, like I'm a big believer of this. This is my opinion. Is I think it, you know, everyone says, oh, when you die, people always say, oh, you're going to regret working too much and not spending more time. And I, and I say, it's not about the work. It's about what you're doing. If you, if you said, you know, and, and I'm going to use like kind of just an example, so I'm not being disparaging, but if someone said, you know, I, I, I worked 20 hours, you know, in a ditch every day for six days a week for 50 years, it's probably not a, a life well spent. I mean, let, let's just be honest. But if you're doing this project and then you go over here and you're busy and you're running around this and you're doing this and you willingly do it, you don't have to do it. Yeah, it's work, but it's also your passions. You're saying, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. Let me ask you, you ever find at a point where you're like, 
you know, Cloudy and I always talk about, you can do more, you can always do more, you know? Do you ever find you're like, you know what, what's next? Like, do you, ever, do you just get bored? Like, I wanna, I wanna move on to something else. Uh, yes, I'm constantly bored. Uh, if I don't have three things in the By the way, fire, there are medicines that can treat that, but anyways, go ahead. <laughs> if I don't have three things going on, I feel very bored. Uh, I'm working on a couple writing projects. I'm working on so a- Make sure you spell my name right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm working on a book about Swickley and oh, wow. indirectly my, my family. It's called Five Sins in Swickley. None of the Mendocinos committed the sins, so- mm-hmm. But uh, it is a novel, but there's a lot of truth in there. It's almost like a factual fiction type Based of thing. Based on. Yeah, wow. so okay. it's going to let people uh, imagine how far the scenarios really did go. And a it's lot about, of them what, what did go 20, 30s? Because uh, we know a lot of the same stuff that happened in, in that time yeah, frame. Yeah, this will be from the 30s up to about the late 50s. Wow, okay. That's, there's yeah. a lot of stuff there, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, lot of secrets. Yeah. And there's a lot of holes in Twickley, too. And some, some bullet chips. And I think sure you know is. where, yeah. I know yeah. exactly yeah. where. I, one of them, one of those scenarios is going to be in the book. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, if any law enforcement listening, uh, of course, this is all <laughs> hypothetical. <laughs> Do not bother them, but... Uh, <laughs> We're not doing the stereo. They're not. It's, it happened. No. What happened? History happened. is history. The yeah. yeah. Library does their little fright night thing. They've done that a couple times. They do a walking tour of Pittsburgh, and they show where approximately like five, six people were murdered. Yeah. So there is a little bit of a history in Swickley. Oh yeah. Are these like gangland murders? Or are these just random people? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Now, Chris Chris Corciani. We've had him on the show. Uh, he was the NCA all-time assist leader at NC State, but he led NCAA history. He always said, in business, what sets you apart? Now, you said when you approached Mr. Engler, what did set you apart? You said your compassion. But I'm sure when everybody approached him, but what was different that Pat Mendocino and Bob Pallone uh, pitched, for the lack of a better term? Well, when we talked to him, and I talked to Rich early on, I gave him specific examples of shows that I saw and examples of how I realized as as an average person um, that things were working correctly. The lines were moving fast. The security was there. Uh, the sound was good. The lighting was good. You know, most fans don't notice things like that, and I'm very... Uh, observant and I think Rich liked the fact that I knew the history of his concerts and how well they were managed and I truly appreciated going to his shows because I knew there wasn't going to be any trouble there. I've gone to concerts and it's just chaos. (laughs) Nothing's organized. The acts are on late but I think Rich liked the fact that I really truly did know that he was ahead of his time and he really put his uh, soul into his work a couple things real quick before we go to break when you were telling that story something came to mind and that was fran targenton the old quarterback he used to say there's people who talk about leadership or starting a business but all they ever did was study it he had his hands in the soil you go to concerts you went to a lot of concerts so you knew how the business was really 
by experience as a fan and how to make it better. But real quick before, you to, before we go to break, I don't know if you remember, but I saw you at the Alice Cooper concert at uh, Stage A&E yeah. years ago. Now, a friend of mine gave me some tickets. So I gave them to somebody who I think you'd be great on his show, Eric Jackson Laurie, who's an attorney. He has a great rock show on uh, CMU radio. I think it's 88.3 or something like that. Anyway, so I got the tickets and we're supposedly in the box seats, all right? So I've never, been, I've been to a bunch of concerts, but nothing of the that genre, okay? I've been to Chicago, been to a ton of Barry Manilow. Uh, You're a fan of Engelbert, oh, very much so. Engelbert, Humperdinck, things like that, but not in Alice Cooper. So uh, my wife and I and my daughter, we go there dressed properly. They said club there are box seats. I'm thinking, you know, so we go, <laughs> I had Alice I, Cooper I, concert. Right, I had, a, I had a golf shirt on, a nice Greg Norman golf shirt. I had khakis on, nice shoes. My wife was dressed nice, even though she was a little apprehensive. She said, Claudio, I don't know. No, they said box. We want to go. It would look nice. My dog was dressed nice. We get there. And Eric, who's an attorney, and his kids, one of them is my godson, Noble, they were dressed with this blood hanger from their shirt. Then <laughs> there was doctors going by with a head on his shoulder. And then some guy had a knife on with the back. You know the guy I'm talking about with the Gene, looks like Gene Simmons? Sure. He was there. And it's a, I, I felt, I told Eric, I said, and Linda, I'm going home and get undressed. There's no way help. No, no, we can't. You're going to start. I, we look so out of place in Salas Cooper. <laughs> you know, when they when they dropped the guillotine, I was going to put my head under there and drop because I felt so damn <laughs> embarrassed. But anyway. Listen, it, I've always heard it's better to be overdressed than I was way overdressed. So don't. But, you, but I, I'm just kind of curious way because. Uh, yeah, when, you, when they say Alice Cooper, I'm thinking polo. What the heck well, are you but, thinking? But they said club bo- seats said or not. Oh, man. Yeah, I didn't know. Alice Cooper. I had oh, never okay. been to this place. Next time, give me a call, buddy. I'll tell you what to wear. <laughs> so I, I almost, almost, you know, ripped my shirt off. And, That's uh, what you should have ripped it open, cut, cut your chest a little bit, get a little bit of blood. All right, folks. Before we go down that uh, deep and dark alley, let's uh, take a little break with uh, to pay the bills. So, Claudio, take it away. Remember, you can always hear our shows on www.italianimpactweekly.com or www.crsmedia.com. And here are such great guests as Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, Vince Papali, Chris Corciani, as many as well as many other successful businessmen and businesswomen in the Italian community. Uh, If you're looking to promote your business uh, or your product, please connect with Steve and I at questions at italianimpactweekly.com. We still have a few openings for sponsorship. If you do not have a commercial, we can certainly produce one for you. And we will give you a, a lot of promotion at a great price. Also, my show, The Claudio Relsano Show on claudiorelsano.com. You'll hear such great guests as Rocky Blyer, Jim Rooker, Sid Bream, Al Oliver, Dick Vermeil, Ken Griffey Sr., uh, Robin Cole, Mario Andretti, Vinny Pazienza, Don Lalonde, a bunch of uh, great guests, and also my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get that at Barnes & Noble. There's still a few left. I thought they were all sold out, but a few left. You can get it on my website at claudiorelsano.com or my publisher, johnmelvinpublishing.com. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know, and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. 
Again, thanks Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. That's La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. We'd also like to thank Chris Gonzalez from the Knights of Columbus. If you have any questions about joining the Knights of Columbus, reach out to Chris Gonzalez at 412-605-9074. All right, folks, welcome back. And again, we're joining the studio. Pat, again, thank you very much for coming in. I always believe it sounds better when they come in the studio. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I appreciate it. He lives it. right down the street, so he's got to go. Why not? It's he's only 10 go. minutes again. But again, as we're, as we're, you know, kind of picking through the things in your life, um, I'm, I'm going to probably steal one of your questions, but I do want to talk about the sauce. Because you've been a chef for how long have you been a chef for? Well, technically a chef for about 20 years uh, in a business for about 45 years. Right. Now, where's the sauce idea come from? Is this a family recipe or something well, you've Well, yes and no. Uh, my grandmother made a wonderful sauce. My first name for my sauce, I was thinking, was going to be Monday sauce. Because on Monday, the tomato sauce was always much better. Uh, the main thing <laughs> was, out of all the mother sauces... Uh, the red sauce is the only thickening agent. It's the only sauce that the thickening agent is thyme. So you don't add flour. You don't add butter. So I hate to say this, but most Italian restaurants don't even have a good sauce because they don't want to put 12, 15 hours I'll into agree. making a sauce. Agree. So my sauce is made extra long time. Uh, it's made in small batches, so it is extra thick. By the time it gets into a jar, it's approximately cooked 20 times longer than the average tomato sauce. So I wanted that authentic taste when you open the jar and heat it up that it was like a Monday sauce. So it's thick. It's dark red, um, you know, blood red, we kind of call it. And that's the style that I wanted. It's not a marinara sauce. Anybody can make an, uh, a marinara sauce. But my You haven't sauce, seen me cook, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Um, but my, my sauce has 24 uh, ingredients. It is very thick, and it can be used as um, pizza sauce also. It's, it's so thick. So I'm very proud of my first sauce. Now, the irony is that you said Monday was the best day for sauce. When I grew up, you know, when we have this show, everybody talks about the Sunday, Sunday dinner. Yeah. Ours wasn't Sunday. It was Monday. When we ate together as a family, we, we ate every night of the week, except for Sunday was my was the rest day, actually. Okay. So Monday was the night. We were having spaghetti every Monday. But it's funny you say that because my grandma started the sauce in the morning. You know, you wake up, one thing, she's got the pots out there, you know, before you've been coming downstairs... And it's already in the pot going, and then you know you're not going to eat it for, you know, 10 hours later. But uh, you're, you're right. That well, the Monday sauce was going to refer to that it was leftover. Right, from, from Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was yeah. figuring because, that's you know, every, every time you tell me, it's like, oh, everybody got together on Sunday. Sunday was the big meal. That was like my grandma's rest day. She wasn't cooking on Sunday. She's been cooking six days a week. But something Pat said, though, too, and it was the same with my, my mom's. You remember my mom, right? Sure. Um, it, was better th it was better the next day. I mean, I liked it that day. It took me a long time to appreciate leftovers. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something you'll get a kick out of. Now, my mom you know, was, was a great cook, right? But she got – my mom adored me. One time she the, – the, maybe the worst she ever got mad at me is whenever I wanted SpaghettiOs. <laughs> what, was, what was that? Um, Chef Boyardee, I think it was. 
And I said, I brought some home. I said, Ma, can you make me this? And she laughed. She thought I was doing it to bust her chops. I said, no, I want to try it. And she got more mad when I liked it. I said, I didn't say it was as good as yours. You know, but she really took offense to it. But I'm sure, like his family, we used to make the Italian sausage. Uh, we used to make about 300 pounds a year. And basically, uh, you give half of it away. Sure. You know, but it was well, more you just a, freeze it for, for. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, how, many, how, do you eat, how, often, how long does it take you to eat that much? Well, we, my mom used to, as I'm sure your family, we used to jar it. I mean, you deep fry, deep fry. Well, I'm having the sausage. Yeah, it stayed. Pat, you can explain well, it better than me. But no, we never. That's a swear word, freezing. Well, you would hang it in your basement, right? right. And it, you know, right. most most Italians had at least two kitchens, maybe three kitchens, <laughs> and always had a cold room right. that you could open up the window a little bit to get a little bit of ventilation. But the um, process. If you do it the old-fashioned way with salt, uh, it right. cures it by itself, right. so you don't need. Oh, you're talking about cured sausage. I was thinking like the, the fresh stuff you're throwing in the in the sauce. Like you know, you're literally cranking it out. And oh just, no, no, oh, no, no, oh, no, no, okay. no! Well, usually you would maybe keep some of that fresh, right. just right. eat it for the next month. But right. most of it you would hang, and you know. Now, it, do, you, would, do, you, do you guys freeze months. sauce after you've made large batches? We never did. We I huh. we would put it in a jar. And then you dip what the fat in there, and it w it would stay, and it was unbelievably good. Let me ask you, um, I don't know, I you may have called it the same thing. I, I said it on the air several times. My mom used to make something called salimoto, which was basically fat with remnants of meat in it. Did you guys? Uh, uh, my my grandmother did that. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I you know Dr. Lally. My dad went to see him. He was a cardiologist. And they're talking about this and about that. My dad said, yeah, we used to make 300 pounds of Italian sausage. And then we had suzu, which is, it's like a gelled, uh, like, yeah, it's gelled pretty much. I wasn't crazy about that. But the salimoto was fried fat with remnants of meat. Steve, I'm going to tell you something. And then my mom would make bread and we would have the sausage. You can't get a better breakfast than that, right? So I used to tell my mom, Mom, give me some more. She said, this stuff will kill you. She gave me a piece of bread the size of my leg, about six pieces of pepperoni, and a little bit of salimoto. But anyway, my dad told Lally about that. And Dr. Lally, who's a cardiologist, great guy, his eyes like got big as saucers. He says, this is why you're a hero, Lindo, because of that. He said, let me bring you some. No, I'm not. He brought him some. It was, you know, it was good. But... Those guys in Italy ate that, and they lived in their 90s. Sure, I, yeah. I think it's, you know, it's funny you say that. I was about to say, it's a lifestyle, though. If you're active. Moderation. Yeah, well, if you're active, moderation. moderation but my dad lifestyle. was extremely active. A lot of these right. Italians, his family never sat still either. But I That's also why I think, think you can get away with eating. It's like farmers. Everyone says, oh, remember when they were trying to say eggs were no good for you? Oh, yeah, I remember that. What do farmers eat every day? <laughs> eggs. eggs and sausage. And you know they what else it is? Long, I think healthy it lives. is, too. We were talking about lack of stress over there. Ugh. They, they just they're so laid back. Yeah. yeah, we're half cocked here all the time. I mean, well, that's, that, that's why I wonder what, you, you know, asking you, Pat, you know, that's that. I'm the same way. I can't sit still. And there are people telling me, you need to sit still. You need to relax. You're going you're gonna to have a heart attack. You're going to have a heart attack. And I'm thinking there's, there's truth to that. But because <laughs> even true. good stress is stress. So even when you're doing something you like, you're still thinking, oh, I got to do this. I got to right. do that. I got to get there. I got to do that. You might be things you want to do, but you still got to do them. And therefore, it automatically adds a stress. That's why I said it's, it's got to be a balance in life. So how do I balance what I want to do, but it's going to keep me busy with, to your point, Claudia, where I'm not going to kill over when I'm 75 years old because I'm like, you know, just so stressed out. Again, even if it's good stress. Over there, though, you, you it's saw a frame it, of mind over there. It's a frame of mind. Right. Yeah. My, my, one time we were at Jots. Uh, Jots is, um, well, where we're at, well, it, it's, a, it's a bunch of 
coffee bars and jewelry stores and stores, and all the men congregate and they talk. Man, as soon as what was it three o'clock or noon? Which one was it? I forgot. Uh, for I think it was three o'clock. It's the old days. That's when, when, when things old. shut down. You have a nice little. This is the old days. Yeah, so. yeah. three o'clock, boy. They cut you off in mid sentence, and, and they leave. My grand, my grandfather said, "Yeah, money, let's go." I said, "Where are we going?" And we, yeah, they were men. They were going to sleep, hmm. and they go to sleep. On the and, uh, not not the women. The women were working. All of us getting the the, prune, the, the, the grapes and this. The women work. The men, they don't give a damn about nothing. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Pat, uh, and that's the way to be. Um, some of the <laughs> obstacles of being an entrepreneur, what were some things that you've had to deal with and how did you deal with them? Because that's one thing we all have to deal with. Um, I think the biggest obstacle is finding people that you can trust and delegate them with some authority because there's only so many hours in the day. So you have to have a good crew around you no matter what you're doing. You have to trust them. You have to pay them enough. You have to give them the respect so they can grow. You know, the best way to be successful is to let people under you become successful and move on. You don't want to have somebody there forever if they want to grow and move on. Some people want to stay. Some people don't have that spirit of moving on. Some people want that steady job. But I've found through life and my endeavors that you have to let people prosper underneath you. You have to find out what's, what is their goals in life and, and try to help them. And when you lose them, you have to overcome that. You have to find somebody else. But I think no one truly becomes successful until they sacrifice and help other people. That's just a philosophy of mine. It's almost religious in nature. It's more than help your brother. But I truly think you really have to help the people around you and especially the people that are underneath you. And uh, uh, that's, that, that's what I've always tried to do. And I've lost a lot of good help. And uh, recently, I wanted to get a restaurant in the last couple of years. And uh, there's not that much help now, you know, available. So I kind of not available. Or they just don't want to do it. Yeah, they just don't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard to find. I anybody I can't understand what are these people doing if nobody can find work at the same time nobody wants to work there are jobs out there people are taking care of them either, either the government or, or their family or their spouse have some self-respect man you know, you I just don't that, get Steve, it there was I, I did a speech a while back and one of the things that I was supposed to do was kind of find out why the employees were quitting during the Super Bowl they wanted time off even though this one particular business they were booming on that day, and they would quit. And I said, are they single? They said, no, they have families. I said, how can they go home and tell their wife, I'm quitting because I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, or I'm quitting because I don't feel like working? You have kids. I mean, I, I as Pat knows, he's always seen me. I always see him running around. I'm working my tail off because I don't want to let my family down. I, you know, I always say I want to keep my front door, fix the front door, and keep the wolf well, away a, from the front door. It's a self-accountability. It's a self-respect. I'm going to tell you right now, and I pray to God, but I also 
I also don't, I try not to let myself get in that position, but I pray that I'm never going to be on a street corner with a tin cup in my hand. I've had that fear since I was a me, kid. Exa- me too. It's crazy, but no, I have no. it. Because I seen, I remember growing up, you see the people That's begging. Right. And right. then when I went out for the military, I was overseas for a lot of years. I saw the poor people begging. And I said, God, please don't let me be that way. And the only way I'm going to avoid that is to work hard. I have but that people same just, right, they fear. just don't care. It's like, have some self respect. I mean, you've you, seen it. You've seen it. I've seen it. I've, I've seen athletes. Who've made? I'm talking about zillions, who well, the Z. Are, are, are not doing well no. at all. They blew it. What, or, or they've got robbed. Oh, it's lifestyle. They blew it. Right. Whatever. And I said, if they can lose, you know, sixty, seventy, a hundred, two hundred million dollars, you know, I always have. And that. I'm nowhere near that. In so. Italian, they say paura, that that, that fear. fear, you know. And like I said, with his family. That always worked. I can still see his dad. I can still see, and I'm not talking about when they were 40. I'm not. I'm talking about right. same with my dad. My dad had half a foot, you know, amputated. He was back cutting grass. You know, he, like you said, you have that fear. It drives you. Bruno Sammartino used to say, "My, how it would destroy me if I couldn't take care of my family." And we've all seen people just throw money away. Now, if you lose it because you try, you know, you try to. Invest There's a difference money. between taking a, a calculated risk yeah. that might not pay off versus just being a fool going to the casino yeah. a lot and blowing your money. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you always have a backup plan. Even yeah. if you're going to waste a few bucks, you know, they always say, here's your investment advice for the day. Pay yourself first. That's it. Put your money in the savings account. If you want to go blow that spare change, that's one thing. By, by having paid yourself and having something in your savings account, you know you still got money if something goes wrong. And by the way, Pat, something you said before, you know, always in the military, it was, oh, you train your successor. Train your successor because either you're going to leave or you just want that whatever happens, you know, you win the lotto. You, you want somebody to be able to step in for you. But it also comes back to the empowerment piece. If I train my successor and they can do the job well, then I can, I can go on vacation and not worry and say they've got it. At the same time, they feel like, wow, you, you trust me to run this place. And that, and that helps them. They feel part ownership because now not only am I giving you some of that freedom, I want to give you some of that responsibility. And so this is your baby. You make the decisions. I'm going on vacation for two weeks or, or you've got the night shift. I'll take the day shift. You know, maybe we're running a restaurant and you're open, you know, 18 hours a day. You can't be there the whole time. So someone runs the morning shift. You come in at nighttime and they tell you what's going on. You say, got it. And you take over. But that is, that is huge for, for employee buy-in. So I, I 1000% agree with what you said. I mentioned your dad, your two uncles. What was some advice or things that you studied from them that you still carry onto your businesses today? Well, I don't know if it's directly with business or just life. Uh, my dad's favorite advice was keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> he said, listen, if you don't listen to what's going on, he, he didn't say it like this, but he implied, if you're talking and you're not, if you're not listening to people, the only knowledge you know is what already is in your head. You have to listen to learn. And uh, uh, I think that's the biggest one. And uh, my, my other uncles, they, they all worked hard. They got up early and worked. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you don't feel good, you're tired, you get up, you start the day and you work. That's right. And that's what you do. And if no you have what. to slow down at the end of the day, that's one thing. But you get up the same time and go to work the same time. And uh, uh, persistence, I guess that's the basic. I know somebody, and Pat may know him as well. He didn't go to work a couple of days, and they let him go. And I said, why didn't you go to work? He said, I had a headache. 
well, hell, I got a headache every day. You know, if you only work or do something when you feel like it, boy, that, that's not going to be, you know, many days. That's why they call it work. That's what I tell people. It they don't full, call work. It is a four-letter word. Yeah, they don't call work your pleasant place to go and make money. Yeah. No, work is hard. Any Rick, kind of work is hard. Rick Pitino, the, the Hall of Fame basketball coach, his son years ago was working in at the Kentucky Derby property or whatever, and he was cleaning out horsemen or something along those lines. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he said, man, this this work, this, I hate this work. You're not supposed to like that work. You know, you're supposed to do it. You know, that, and that does. It needs to be done. Discipline, it, it, it perseverance, as you said. Well, that's why these people's parents need to be smacked because okay. that's where it starts. It starts at home. It starts with, with somebody babying them. Oh, that's okay. You don't have to go to school. You don't feel good. Oh, okay, stay home. Here's $20. You don't have to go to work. Oh, you want to go out here some money, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like you don't teach your kids anything like that. Let me ask you this. You know, like, like your dad and, and your uncles and my dad, my uncle, you'd be around those guys and you would like you shut up and you listen to their stories because there was a ton of them. But not only that, but they were they were personalities. OK, and I don't see that. in Swickley. I always talk about with me, Silvio and Jimmy would go to the movies and we'd see Bull DeGore with the radio in his hand. Right. And we thought he was old, Steve. He was maybe 44, 45. I'm 59. Hey, Uncle Bull, what's the uh, score? Pirates are winning three to two. You could hear Bob Prince. But all those guys, Cleve Wallace, you know, or Mr. Barry, Alex Barry, or I, I can go on and on. Um, and I still remember when I go, and you own that building now, I believe, the coffee place, or you used to own it, where the taxi cab. Uh, used to be, yeah. Uh, the Masons own that, but me and my business partner, Frank DeLuca, we have the Dutch coffee shop. In there. See, we got to bring that up, too. But... There's no characters in Swickley yeah. anymore. I think maybe we're the characters. Maybe. The, maybe. the old benches on the corner right. of Beaver and Broad, they were famous. That's Everybody right. sat there. It was like the crossroads of Swickley. And there were the old timers, and there were the people middle-aged, and there were the young kids. And uh, it, it, it was truly a different time. And, and the thing, too, like his dad and his uncles, again, just mentioning them all the time, or when – I would see them, they would always talk to you. Or my dad would talk to guys that age. It isn't like they stayed away. It was just a different ball game back then. Different. You know, it's funny because I think uh, I think it's like a humanity issue. You know, somebody said a long time ago, air conditioning. Air conditioning ruined humanity. Because <laughs> in the summertime, the well, right, in the summertime, everybody goes and sits outside. I didn't have air conditioning until I went off to the military. I grew up with a fan in an attic. Yeah. And it was hot in the summer. And yeah. It was cold in the winter. And in the summertime, you weren't sitting in a house because it was hot. You could turn the fans on all you want, close the blinds, but it was hot. So you went and sat outside and in the porch in the back or something, but you were not sitting in that house. But the, his uncle used to live the last X amount of years, used to live across the street from me. He owned the, uh, the, the, the building there. And I'd stop over and talk. Again, some of the stories, you know, it just crack you up. And his, his dad, too, was just. What does beg the question? I mean, why? You know, it's funny you guys say that. It's like, are people just boring today? Those guys weren't. No, I'm and saying then, today. I mean, remember, today it seems like nobody. Stanzo, the uh, shoemaker, and those guys. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm well, telling I mean, you, today Steve, it seems like people are just boring. It's those guys back then. Again, they were personalities. They spoke to the young and the old. Uh, the younger guys had respect for those guys, but there was just their personalities. Now it's. Stiff. Well, I don't get it. Me. Like I said, what's what, again? Some, some, because it was the same way where I got in Bloomfield. It's the same way. You go up on the corner, guys are up there reacting and talking. It's but loud. I don't know. Like he's been there from day one. I've been there from day one. 
uh, our dads and uncles have been there for a thousand years. These people now, it seems like they're only there for five, six years. And they oh, yeah, they're, five, they're flipping their house. Years. Yeah, we don't they're do that. They're flipping their house and making too much. But yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody really puts roots down like they used to put roots no, down. They're, they're, when, the, when the price of the real estate goes up, they're punching, yeah. and they're going to move somewhere else and rack up some more debt. Because what happens when you sell your house? Okay, I made $200,000, but you can't afford to come back to your neighborhood, which means you're going to probably either downsize or you're moving out of state. Right. Like, I know for sure Pat doesn't say if he's telling somebody, if you tell somebody you're going to, uh, you say upstreet. Now, uh, what do they say? What do the new people say? The village. Yeah. We don't say the village. We say upstreet. Or they say swickily. We say swickily. Yeah, well, just the way we do it. We used to say the same thing, go upstreet. Yeah, or you going off the street? Upstreet, upstreet. Pat, a couple of things before we let you go. Number one, um, what's next for you? Again, you say uh, you, you mentioned the uh, some writing. Uh, what else? Is that pretty well, much what you're doing? I right have now? a book of lyrics. Uh, I love music, but I'm not talented. In like your cousin Tommy is. I got to mention Tommy, the guitarist, he, and he, he sings. Has some great. Uh, Tommy's the best. Things available on Amazon. That's right. Um, I do have a lot of lyrics. I do have a book of poetry that I might want to publish. Uh, I do have two novels about Swickley oh. that I'm working on, the one, The uh, Five Sins, and then another one which will be completely salacious. It will be like Peyton Place. It'll kind of be true to life, too, because Swickley has its uh, different Hidden. side to <laughs> <Yeah>. it. But <laughs> yeah. uh, my next stop with my sauces is that I want it to get into the big retailer in Pittsburgh area and hopefully I will how and, hard is that uh, it is very difficult however I have many things going for me uh, I am a local person I have been in the business for 45 years I have been a chef I have a I my recipes are ancient based recipes but they're modernized like my new calabrese sauce it has peppers from Calabria, the chili pepper, but I definitely toned down the heat because the average person, it would be too hot. <laughs> I wouldn't like it. Now, I do have another label ready to go uh, for the true, uh, you know, full octane Calabrese sauce. Yeah, yeah. Um, that might have to be like a specialty thing because, as you know, it's just oh, too yeah. hot. That's what I like. But a lot it of people are starting flavor, to get into though. spicy foods. You see yeah, a lot of commercials. But this is I've a, eaten down south, so I know what you're saying. But yeah, I'm thinking. But there are have, some sauces, Pat, that are, that are just hot. These are hot, but they taste good too. That flavor of southern Italy, those peppers are in everything, mm -hmm. and it just has that little that tang smell, to it. that scent. I should say in that tang. It's right. So uh, yeah, that's that. That's my next goal to get into the big re retailer in Pittsburgh. And how can people buy your sauce now? Well, I'm in about 15 stores. I do have a website, uh, mendocinofoods.com. That's spelled with an I, not an O. That's the California Spanish version. So M-E-N-D-I-C-I-N-O foods.com. Uh, in the local Swickley area, I'm in Saffron's. I'm in my coffee shop, Odesso Cafe. I'm in the- On Walnut uh, Street. Yes, uh, Bridgeside Market, a great little Italian market. Down the street from us, yeah. Down the street on Chestnut Street near the Swickley Bridge. Uh, I'm in Pennsylvania Macaroni. That's Everybody big. knows that. That's big. Um, I'm in New York City, Arthur Avenue, which is the Little Italy for New York City. Wow. I'm, I'm in a store there. It's called the Calabria Pork Store. Calabria what? 
pork store. Pork. Wow. And there are approximately uh, about a thousand uh, sausages hanging in that store. You know, it looks mm. like our old basements yeah, right. of our grandparents. I still have the string up, believe it or not, the cut <laughs> yeah. string. Yeah. I lift it up purposely. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, sentimental. Very. I'm in some interesting markets. I'm pretty close to getting into um, a store in Cleveland, Little Italy. Wow. I'm about 99% I'm going to get in there. Good. And my cousin Bob out in St. Louis, he's pretty close to getting me into the Little Italy out there. It's called uh, The Hill. Yeah, and where Joe Gradual and Yogi Berra exactly. are from. Yeah. yeah. So I know all this stuff. So I you know. know. I don't know how you can remember it, but God bless you. <laughs> So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm expanding, but my goal is to find markets that when these big retailers investigate me, uh, they will say, hey, this is a local guy. He has a good recipe. He is retired. So this is his, quote, full-time job. And, uh, I, you know, I think they'll give me a shot. But you're already established, too. You're already in multiple cities, multiple locations. That's big. So I didn't know like, you had all those. I did a double-blind test my sauce against Rhea's sauce, which is considered the best sauce in America right now. I don't agree, necessarily agree with that. 10 years ago, it was better. It, it was sold, and it was sold recently to Campbell's Soup for $2.3 billion with a B. And anyway, I did a double-blind uh, uh, taste test, 8 out of 10 people picked my original sauce so once i get my foot in the door in these big stores i'm, I'm very confident that there's uh, your commercial right there it's gonna move on that's, that's good it. that's, that's good. your commercial no pat again thank you very much for joining us in the studio it's been fun it was actually a pretty fun conversation i uh, that was good yeah, I don't know what good. to expect, but uh, you know what? Because when Claudio tells me I got this guy coming on, I'm like, ah, oh, geez, it's Claudio telling me. So I just kind of take it with a grain of salt. But today, today he was right. I think I'm batting a thousand. No, you're I good. Think, I'm I just think. messing with you. No, let's go. But Penn, Pat, thank you very much for coming. Thanks Appreciate again, it. That was a lot of fun. You know, we had we had one lady on one time where we asked her about uh, her Italian heritage, <laughs> and Steve's right here, and we, we had this you know, long list. We said, "Tell us about." Oh, my dad hated being Italian. He did not like being. So me and Steve like looked at each what other. What do we do like, now? Well, well, thank you. How so about those Mets? Thanks for joining us. Yeah. How about those pirates? Yeah, Pat. You know, we wish you all the best. I see you all you live what a hundred yards from me or something like sure. that. And, uh, you know, talking about your family again, that, that brings back. And I got to give one quick story. His cousin Tommy and I are very, very close. Um, two quick stories. We were in ninth grade, and this English teacher, Mr. Robitison, said, Claudio, I got to tell you, you've really matured the past couple of years. And I just want I said, geez, thank you, Mr. Robitison. Well, we had these. He said, I want to see you and Tommy after school. I want to talk to you about some things. Okay. So we had these swinging windows at uh, Quaker Valley. So Tommy was spitting out the window, and I pulled the window to try to catch his spit to you know, bust his chops, and I put his head through the window. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Robatista saw that. Scratch what I said, Claudio. You've gotten worse. <laughs> then I begged Tommy, begged Tommy to come out for baseball, right? So Tommy says, all right. So Tommy wasn't into baseball, but he came out. We were going out for Colt League. Tommy comes to my house for tryouts. Tommy comes down with this club that his dad, Ross, used to use to beat the chickens, right? And I said, Tommy, I know that club. What's that? I, I remember that. I, I still have it at home somewhere. <laughs> I said, Tommy, what, what, what is this? This is 
baseball bat. No, it's a club that your dad kills chickens with. You don't go hit balls with this, Tommy. That's not red paint, Tommy. <laughs> it's not red paint. Feathers. What the hell? The feathers. The little, what do they call them? Like nicks on the bat. That's uh, not from hitting baseballs, Tommy. But uh, yeah, I'd love Tommy. He's, he's, we got to get him on a show. He's doing well. He's in California. He writes and sings. Tommy's oh. a great guy. We've had a lot of fun together. A lot of fun together. Fantastic. Pat, it was a pleasure to have you on. Wish you all the best. Thanks again. Okay, everybody, we hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Always appreciate you listening. We've got some news coming up soon about the show, both of our shows. But um, And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop.